will worship you until the very end. And I love you, Lord. And I one of the most unutilized weapons we have is worship, praise. We just worship him just one more time. Just lift your hands. Lord, we worship you. We magnify, Father, your name tonight. You are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. But tonight I want us to pray before you're seated. I want to pray. Sister Lemus needs a touch in her body. She needs prayer tonight. She's not here, but she needs, uh, she needs us to pray for her. Also, let's pray for Mickey Mixon. He lost his sister. Uh, they went to San Angelo for her, his sister's funeral. Kenny Molden also lost his sister. Uh, they're having her service on Friday. Let's pray for Dennis Jenkins. He's going in for surgery, for a neck surgery. 
uh, uh, and that's going to be on Friday as well. Paula Jones needs a touch in her body. If you've got a need, just lift it. I know there's many others in, that are present tonight. Father, we just come before you. I wait, before we do this, I want us to do something. We're, let's don't ask for what God's already done. I want you to de- declare healing on these bodies, okay? Just begin to declare healing on these bodies. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we declare these bodies to be healed. That, Lord, that Dennis's neck is going to align with the will of God and that, Lord, he's going to come out, God, completely picture perfect. Lord, I just believe tonight, Lord God, that Paula Jones's body is healing even as we speak, Lord God, this hip, this cancer. Lord, we speak life over Kay Mixon's body in the name of the Lord. Cancer, you have no authority. You're going to get out in the name of the living God. We pray, Father, for Don tonight that, Lord, his body has ever been whole. Father, we declare, Lord God, comfort, Lord, and, Lord, courage and strength and, Lord God, vitality, Lord God, upon those who have lost loved ones. I ask, God, that you would move my upon them. Now, Father, we pray tonight, Lord, as we align ourselves with your will, let your word, Father, be heard, Lord God. Lord, saturate our lips, Lord God, to speak and our hearts to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated tonight. I know some of you walked in and might have been a little disappointed that uh, you didn't see this wonderful lady down front standing up here, but she'll be back. Don't worry. Okay. But I, w- I want to thank you for allowing, allowing us to shift things about and go over and spend and invest in the, in the youth, and it's been great, and the, the youth, the students are, are coming along, and we, we develop a very strong team that's over there taking care of business tonight. I want you to take your Bibles and go to Numbers 7, Numbers 7 tonight, and we're going to read one verse, verse 89, Numbers 7. We don't have the overhead tonight, so you got to break out your devices or your Bibles to find the Scripture. So, tonight I want to talk to you about conversation. Conversation. A conversation is the interactive communication between two or more individuals. Conversation is interactive communication between two or more individuals. Now, conversation creates connection, right? I mean, if you're going to have a relationship, you've got to communicate. You've got to have a conversation. The more we talk to someone, the more that we are bound with them. We find a connectivity with them. Now, I want you to look at uh, number 7, verse 89. I was reading along here, and this passage just jumped out at me. And I love as we read the Word of God in different translations, but I'm, I'm going to go to the New King James tonight. It says, Now when Moses went into the tabernacle of meeting to speak with him, speak to the Lord, he heard the voice of the one speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the Ark of the Testimony. From between the two cherubims, thus he spoke to him. It's interesting to me as I was just running through, and, and I hope you guys have, have enjoyed your, 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 your reading and your, your overall picture of and, and reading the Word of God in, in 90 days. I'm trying to stay ahead, so I'm, I'm reading two days in one because I don't want to get behind. But as you read in, that, in that, that quickly, you read that many scriptures, you start picking up on some things. So... We're going to talk about one of those things in just a minute, but I was just 
running in my mind the times that the Lord spoke to Moses. The first time was a burning bush. We see that there was a bush that was burning but not being consumed, and God spoke to Moses out of that bush. The next time we see is he gets an invitation up the mountain, and he walks into what seems to be fire on top of the mountain, and now the Lord is speaking to him from a mountaintop. He speaks to him through the fire and then speaks through him in the fire. Now we have where the Lord communes with him almost on a daily basis inside the tabernacle. And then when he comes out of the presence of God, he, it looks like he's been on fire as he's been glowing. But it's interesting to me as I look at this passage and I see this and what stood out is that one, one translation I read in the version was that when he goes into the tabernacle that the, he could hear the voice of the one behind the veil. He, the voice was behind the veil and he knew it, where it was coming from. He knew it was coming from above the, 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 all, the ark of testimony there on the mercy seat. Because the Lord told Moses, that's where I meet with you. So the Lord's have chosen a method of communication. He called him with a burning bush. He gives him the overview and, and the intricate details of the tabernacle. Moses goes down and builds that tabernacle. And now Moses is there meeting with God, and the meeting place is what captured my attention. Now, as we talk about conversation, here is Moses, and he's having a conversation with the Lord. I just got to thinking about conversation. What's entailed in conversation? If you're going to have a conversation with someone, there's going to be some time that's going to be involved. You know, and if you're talking to that one-way conversationalist, you're talking, I'm not looking over there for any reason at all, I just, just thinking how wonderful my brother's sitting together. The next thing was coming to mind is why I wasn't going to say I was talking to them. You know, sometimes when you, when you forget your too long talker shocker, when that, when, that, when that person that you're talking to, which I'm not talking about these guys. When you're talking to that individual and you're like, you can't really call that a conversation. That's more of them speaking to you. And I know a lot of people today, sinner and saint alike, they talk a lot to God, but the problem is, is they never stick around to hear what he has to say. A lot of petitions being made, a lot of, a lot of requests being made. There's a lot of talk on one side of the equation, but there's not a lot of listening on the other side. Now, let me say to you, those of you that want to discover the new reality of a life of prayer, that is exactly what it is. It's a life of prayer. Now, there's times in, in, in each and every day that I make petition before the Lord or I talk to God, and there's many times that he will answer me. A lot of times I start our conversation out with, Lord, what do you want to talk about today? How, what do you want to discuss or declare today? And so it is, it is a prayer is, is almost an art form, just like communication and conversation can be an art form. 
But so many times when I ask God or I have inquiries of the Lord, I don't just leave it in the prayer. I may have my portion where whatever time frame that I'm there with God and talk to the Lord, and I walk away from there, I'm listening continually for the answer. See, so the conversation goes on. It's not just an event. It's the life that you live. So conversation is important when we engage in conversation. It's the sharing of information. It's, honey, how's your day? What did you do today? It's, it's gentlemen, you got to get away from the selective hearing, okay? It is statistically proven, statistically proven that women speak 28,000 words a day. Most men, on average, speak about 14,000 a day. You got to learn to listen. If you're going to keep up. <laughs> so, how many know when you, when you see some of them, like, they're getting some of their word quote in right now while I'm preaching? I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. <laughs> see, but also, when, when you're having a conversation, it's, it's information. It's the interpretation of the information. Conversation, I'm talking about tonight. You know, conversation, it has a lot to do with body language. It's, and culture can weigh into conversation. Now, in American culture, and we taught our children, when you speak to somebody, look them in the eye. Some cultures you go into, you don't look them in the eye. It's an offense. You know, in, a, in many times in American culture, we're just like, let's get down to business, let's say what we're going to say, and get in and get out and get on. But you go to other cultures that are, Less in less of a hurry than we are. It starts with a greeting. It starts with conversation. It, it starts with a hello and how are you and how's the children. But long before you ever get to what it is you, you came there to talk about. So we're just talking about conversation. What it means to have a conversation. Body language. Body language. Sometimes you can, you can stare somebody in the eye and sometimes you can stare them in the eye. I don't know why that person got freaked out by you. You know what I'm saying? And, and a lot of times it's not just having the information coming in, but how you share that information. The tone and the texture of your voice and the way that you communicate that information. Huh. I don't have to go into a lot of details about that, but, you know, it just gets into those areas and those realms where you may have... It's happened to all of us, and I hope that we've not been guilty of passing it on to somebody else when they take something you have said and it's twisted out of context and it's put out there in the wrong way. Brings defamation to you. Conversation. When you look at when we begin to think about it, and folks, let me say again, conversation is a two-way street. If you're going to engage somebody in a conversation, be open to receive what they have to say as well. That includes your conversation with the Lord. When you understand that it's not a two-way street, that you're just not talking at God, you're talking with God, you're having a conversation, and you need not just to talk to God, you need to listen to what God has to say about the situation, about you in the situation. 
That's just some thoughts that I had. And the word of the Lord says, because I believe God is the one who created conversation because he's the one that created communication. He wants to express himself to you and I. He wants us to know him. Just like he said in Isaiah 1 and 18, come now, let us reason together. Don't you love that? The Lord said, come now, come on in. Uh, come on in, Isaiah. Come on in, Israel, and let's, let's have a conversation. Let's, commun- let's reason together about a situation. How important is conversation? See, when we have a conversation, we're, we're going somewhere, so stick with me. You know, there's, as Proverbs says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So there's power to kill, and there's power to bring to life in conversation. And there's one thing that just kept repeating itself as I was reading the Exodus all the way through, through Numbers, and now stepping over into Deuteronomy, and it's just, God doesn't like complaining. <laughs> You don't like it at all. <laughs> it's, a, it's a faithless endeavor. I thought, oh, ouch, Lord, search my heart. Cleanse me, O oh God. Teach me, O oh Lord. Show me, Father God, if there's any wicked way within me. Lord God, I pray that you would let the searchlight of your heart down in here. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. I said, Lord God, create me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O God. Lord, let me remove the complaint out of my mouth. I don't want to be singing praises to hell and the devil. I want to be singing praises to the Lord. And with my words, I can speak life. With my words, I can elevate my brother. With my words, I can lift up my sister. With my words, I can bring life or I can cut them down in death by the power of my tongue. Why do we want to destroy our destinies and our calling and our purpose by always defaming ourselves? It's a conversation. I better get to moving here. So, our words expose our heart. Good man of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and evil man of evil treasures brings forth evil things. If you want to know where you're going, just stop long enough and listen to what you're saying because the word of the Lord says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Where does this, what's happening? Is there a conversation going on in here? Then it comes out here. By our words, we can be justified. By our words, we can be condemned. Now, I want you to notice the location, the location of the conversation that Moses is having. He comes in to the tabernacle. And when he steps into the tabernacle, the voice of the Lord he knows is on the other side of the veil, there meeting with him at the mercy seat above the covenant. I'll take just a minute for those that may not heard the teaching or been around. But we understand that the Ark of the Covenant is symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know because the Lord Jesus is our ultimate covenant. Every sacrifice made in the Old Covenant was to point to the ultimate sacrifice, which is Jesus. 
We see there in that that when they took the golden pot of manna that they gathered up on the, on the wilderness floor, the first they put an omer, a measurement, in a golden pot. They put it inside the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of Testimony. Jesus declared in John, he said, I am the bread of life. That bread that came down from heaven, you didn't know what it was? That was me. What is it? I am it. I'm the one that came down. So you got the, the manna. you got the airman's rod. We won't go into it, but we understand that that rod was the declaration of the priesthood, the legitimate priest that could go in and, and bring the sacrifice and be the intermediary for all the nation. We understand that was only point to the ultimate high priest, which was the Lord Jesus. He is our high priest. And then we have there the tablets of stone, the will of God, the written will of God. We understand that in John 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, was God, same the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him, anything was made that was made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. We see that Moses received the written Word of God, but Jesus is the living expression of God. And so what we have is the covenant there in the Lord Jesus. He's the priest. He's the bread. He is the word. He's all inclusive. And we see the ark. When it touches the Jordan, it opens up. When Jesus touches the Jordan, the heavens open up. We see that the ark is a representation of Jesus. Moses couldn't bring him into the promised land. It was Joshua, Joshua that brought them into the promised Promised land. Amen? Amen. And then we've studied and we see how that we have now. We have the mercy seat. And what a beautiful revelation we have for the Lord about the mercy seat that pointed all the way back to the garden. We're at the garden. We have Adam, the first Adam, sinned, and they were expelled from the garden. If Now when they were expelled from the garden, there was a, a, a cherubim, an angel, uh, standing there with a sword and not allowing them back into that garden. Then we have the tabernacle. We have woven in the tapestry of the tabernacle. We have there the cherubims once again blocking the way for the entrance into the presence of God. Now, we see the high priest goes in there. We have no access to the Garden of Eden. Now we have limited access to God in the tabernacle and then in the temple. And then we have a day where Jesus Christ is crucified upon the cross. Was it by chance at the moment that he declared to Telestai, it is finished, that the the tabernacle, the veil of the tabernacle, the entrance in the holies of holies was torn from not from bottom to top. You can't do it yourself. From top to bottom, it was ripped in two. Now, the beautiful thing that the Lord shows us is this. See, they made that lid out of pure gold. When you see gold, you understand that the Lord is trying to speak of heavenly things. Heavenly things. The tabernacle was built with bronze on the exterior. You could see that. You go into the whole, you go into the sanctuary, and now everything is overlaid with gold. But the one piece of furnishing that set upon the Ark of the Covenant was solid gold. It was one piece, and it was made with 
two cherubims that were facing each other looking down at the what the Lord calls the mercy seat. That tells us that there is an indication of something divine, something supernatural. It is otherworldly. When we look at the gold, what we are to see is we're looking into the unseen. We're looking into heaven. Why did the Lord pave the streets of glory with gold? Because he could? Yes. But also, it was more important than that, is to give you and I the indication that those, when we look at gold on earth, we are to see the pathways into heaven. Amen. Amen. So we got the gold image, the imagery of the gold in the old covenant with the mercy seat that was seen by the high priest only once a year, and he only saw it through a thick cloud of, of incense that would fill up that holies of holies. So we only got a glimpse of what would ultimately come. And now, it's not a brazen altar, but it's a cross on Calvary. It's not a physical lamb. It is the lamb that hung. And when they take him down, they wrap him. They lay him in a borrowed tomb. And they lay him down there. Three days, the stone is rolled away. He gets up and walks out. And when the disciples come, Mary, the disciples come, they look in. What do they see? Two angels. Two angels. Two angels. Do <laughs> you think that the cloth, the one at one end, one at the head, and one at the feet? <laughs> I don't know. One at the head and one at the feet. Do you imagine that as you're looking at that, we're supposed to see something there? That it was included in the good news, the gospel, the declaration that the Lord Jesus has risen again. And when he has risen again, there's a place where he said, I will meet with you. It's at the mercy seat. And where was the blood of Jesus? It was not only on Calvary, but when they wrapped him. They didn't embalm him. That was an Egyptian practice. When they wrapped him in those claws and they laid them down, I suspect there might have been some blood that came out of that. Especially after the brutality that he suffered. And so the bloodstained mercy seat was not Moses' end all doing. In bloodstained mercy seat was ultimately the fulfillment of Christ Jesus resurrecting from the dead. And he said, I'll meet you right there where the pavement of glory begins in the gold imagery of God. Are you seeing this? Are you seeing this? We've seen that, but it just keeps it just keeps on. Now, as you look at the Word of God and we think about conversation, let me just another thing that just stood out. I'm reading along in Psalms and I read through again and saw how that Balaam Balaam was a cuss, wasn't he? Now, understand, Balaam was not a holy man. He was gifted, but he wasn't holy. There's a lot of gifted folks in the world today, but they ain't holy. <laughs> they might plop themselves in the house of God. It don't make them holy. <laughs> Just because you stay in the garage don't make you a car. Are you hearing me? 
So Balaam has got a gift, but he ain't holy. He can commune with the unseen world. Now, Balak gets in cahoots, the king of Moab gets in cahoots with Midian, and they're wanting to curse this nation, Israel, as they're traveling through. They see how vast they are. They've heard about what happened in Egypt. And they're like, we, we can't even have the confidence to go out into battle against the blessed covenant people unless, unless they're cursed. And now we can go out there and attack them. So let's go get Balaam. Let's get old so-and-so who knows how to speak to the unseen world. And so Balaam, come on. I want you to stand on this mountain. Now look down there and curse them. He tells the king of, king of Moab, Balak, he, he lays out his sacrifice, his seven sacrifices, uh, and he said, I can only speak what's given to me. And so he speaks a blessing instead of a curse. Arr, I told you I'd make you wealthy and rich. What are you doing? I'll give you another chance. Let's go to another mountain. So they go to another mountain. And they stand up there, lays out his sacrifices. The same seven. He goes, Balaam said, I can only speak what's given to me to speak. Go ahead and curse them, Balak says. Nah. All right. They're blessed. <laughs> I'm going to give you one more chance, boy. One more chance. I'm going to make you rich. That's it a third time. Same results. He said, look, I can't. I can't bless the covenant people. I can't, I, I can't curse them. I can only bless them. I cannot curse them. We said, you know what? Numbers reveals this. There's another way to get them. Start a conversation. Get them talking. Get them talking. And you can defeat them. So Midian teams up with Moab. They go to an area, a region called Baal Pure, Lord of Openings. Can also be translated Master of Openings. What's happening? There's conversations that begin because the seduction of the Midianite women start moving in and luring the men of Israel over into their camp. And now you've got this perverseness that are happening, this uncovenanted relationships that are intermingling. And there was basically a prostitution that was taking place but they to incite the gods. And they had particular camps and tents that they would go into to perform this. And as a result of that, uh, the plague of God came upon the people, and they started dying. But there was a, there was a Levite uh, that jumped up with a spear while people were dying all around. There was a man along with the, one of the princesses uh, of the Midianites, uh, and they went into this particular tent to do their thing. And he jumps up with the spear in his hand, runs into the tent, and drives the spear through the the man and goes through the woman as well, kills them both on the spot, and the plague stayed.
See, it all started with the conversation. Get them talking. Get them moving. See, because the enemy, he's the master of openings. He's the master of openings. Upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What's a gate? A gate's an opening. How do we open up heaven? We open up heaven by declaring, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. How do we just open up heaven? How do we bind on earth, and how do we bind in heaven? How do we do those things? It's not the third heaven we're binding. It's the second heaven we're binding, church. It's the area, the atmosphere of the spiritual realm where, where the enemy abides and abodes. We're in the first heaven. He abides in the second heaven. Our God is in the third heaven. You can't touch our God. Amen? But he's given us authority on earth through Jesus Christ. And now in the first heaven, we declare the second heaven. You're bound. You are bound on earth, and thus you're bound in heaven. I'm not giving way to you today. Day. Amen. I am not entering into a conversation because the moment you begin to enter, entertain that conversation with the enemy, then comes the downfall. Amen. Upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus says this enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few that find it. Broad is the gate of the conversation of the enemy that leads to destruction. It's easy to get fear and frustration and aggravation and unforgiveness and perverseness and there's a lot of ways you can end up in conversation with the enemy. There's a lot of ways that will lead you into destruction. But there's one way. It's a narrow gate. It's, there's a narrow gate that you can enter in. If his words abide in you and you abide, his words are in you, can ask what you will and it shall be done. The abiding of God's Word is not just a declaration of His Word. It includes the declaration of His Word. Abiding in His Word is being governed by His Word. It's coming under the authority of His Word. It is walking according to what God tells us to do when He tells us to do it. Where we understand when we enter into conversation with the Lord, we are not just the ones talking and giving our laundry list of all of our needs. There's nothing wrong with the laundry list of all of your needs. If you're willing to flip the page and start writing down the things that God wants you to do with the blessing that he gives you. Amen? So as we think about it just for a moment, we think about the fact that Jesus said, narrow is the way. And few there be that find it. We know that ultimately he's talking about salvation. But folks, we can also understand that we enter into ultimate salvation through the convergence of the supernatural sacrifice of God being accepted by natural man and the Holy Spirit infusing that inside of our spirit as the profession of our faith in Jesus as being Lord. So his kingdom can come forth through the belief in a heart in the convergence of heaven on earth. Narrow is that gate. It's a one way. 
Where did Jesus say that I would meet you? Back to our text. Exodus 25, he tells, I'm going to meet you there where the cherubims are bowed looking, where the angels look down and the God they know in heaven, maybe with dismay and awe, why would you come to earth? For the salvation of this human race. Why would you incarnate yourself for them? I don't understand. But there is blood on this seat. Why would you give them access to heaven through your blood? We have there. But the Lord said, I'm going to meet with you right there. So could you imagine what the topic of the conversation was with Moses and the Lord God Almighty? I don't know, but it, I venture to guess it was a lot of covenant talk. Because Moses would come in with certain questions that he had. What about Zolophet's daughters? Do we grant them or do we not? Where did that conversation happen? He got, the, he got the information on the mountain. He came down and he wrote it all down. He had it. But there were still some questions there because there's some things weren't included in the law. So we would go in. He would sit down. He would talk to the Lord. The Lord would talk to him and give him answers. I don't know. I'm just guessing that the God that glowed on the, on the bush, the same God that glowed on the mountain, might have been the same one glowing behind the veil when the voice was heard. That's where he knew where he was at. He wasn't sitting in the floor. He wasn't propped in the corner. He wasn't leaned up against the back. But he saw that maybe that glow of the glory of God illuminating there. And he's like, yeah, he's right there where he said he would be. He's right there where he said he would be. I will meet you at the grave and you can enter into the covenant with me. Amen. I just venture to guess, according to my experience, according to the Word of God, when God talked to Moses, he was talking to him about covenant. He was talking to him about covenant promises. He was talking to him about how to discern the covenant. I believe that when the Lord was speaking to Moses, he was illuminating himself. He was showing him this is what life is. And there's coming a day where your brother in distant future, he will pin down uh, pinned a parchment uh, and quill a parchment uh, and he will write down uh, if you're going to fellowship with the Lord you got to fellowship in the light uh, because God does not fellowship in darkness amen but for you and I for you and I see the conversation you're having a conversation with the Lord well you're having a conversation with God what does God want to talk about he wants to talk about covenant he wants to talk about light the light uh, is his life. He wants to talk about the completed work of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. If we're going to have a conversation with the Lord, we've got to talk his language. 
I've been to just a few different countries. In every country, culture is different. Culture is different, depending on the country you go to. You gotta, you gotta take a moment. Usually, they're a lot more generous as we are in America. They'll give you a pass on your cultural ignorance about communication. More so than we are in America, we're kind of intolerant. Unfortunately, I'm not everybody, but it's like where we prevail sometimes. So we have to take a moment to understand what it means to communicate in that culture. See, when you come in out of the world, God is patient and long-suffering with you. But there comes a time where he starts shifting your conversation from the gimme, gimme, gimme to, Lord, let me give, let me give, let me give. He changes the conversation from, why don't you ever do anything, then to, God, do you need me to do something? He changes the conversation from, why is the world after me, and, and Lord, let me loose after the world. It gets me to, he gets a conversation started, uh, and it, it's a conversation of faith. It's a conversation of life and light and, and, and declaration and promises and gratitude. Patricia did an eloquent job of just stopping us in the middle of prayer and saying, let's just take a thank you moment, amen? And let's not be a spoilt children. Let's walk in and be a little bit more polite. And let's just thank God for what he's done, amen? Thank God for what he's done because you will come far closer to not complaining by giving thanks to the Lord for what he's done. Amen? Well, it's a conversation that we have. See, if the enemy would love nothing more than to start a conversation with you, every voice that you hear is not the Lord, is not you, is not the devil, is not someone else. You've got to discern the voice that you're listening to. I still believe that God speaks covenant. That God speaks covenant. And when he speaks to me, I can back it up with this. I can find reference to it. There's been... In recent years, some what was thought to be phenomenon, only to be disproved, but this phenomenon was I couldn't find it in the book, so I just held my opinion. I couldn't find any reference in here, so I just held to what, I'm not saying God can't do what God wants to do, but I held my opinion. Now, I'm not releasing a spirit of suspicion in here. I'm just saying, know the book, amen? And found out that that was not of the Lord. Then there's other things where God will do. Brand new thing. Who knows? But ultimately, it will never diminish the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It will never put the focus on man. It will only put the focus on the Lord. And see, the only way to know these things is you've got to know the God that you're living for. You can't even know yourself if you don't know God. 
Why do you want do all these preachers harp upon reading the Bible? It's because if you don't know the Bible, then you don't know God. And if you don't know God, then you don't you will never know who you are supposed to be. Because when the Lord has a conversation, he talks about covenant. He talks about the completed work of Christ. If I take my fear, if the end, let's, let's bring it down to where we're living. Fear is a rampant thing that revealed itself in such an ugly way from 2020. I won't have to tell you what happened then. But it was certainly a release of hell in the world today. It, it not only a release of that spirit throughout the entirety of the world, but it's also a, uh, it also revealed what was in the body of Christ and what was outside the body of Christ. And there was a rampant, the rampant spirit of fear that plagued, and is we still feel the remnants of it in the world today. But when that fear comes, Bel Peor, master of openings, master master of openings. Where does that fear like to tap, it likes to start a conversation? <clears throat> you ever watch a movie and they cough, it's the end. They're dead. Guaranteed, they're dead. You, any scene, it's like the tell sign of death in a movie. Any movie lovers in here tonight? You, you ha they have the little <clears throat> cough, they're gone. They're out of here. But see what happens to us, we have a little cough, it's like, You've watched so many movies, you know what's about to happen because that conversation starts in your head. This is the end. Martha, I'm coming home. Elizabeth, I'm sorry. <laughs> see if I had a little more time to meddle here. But see, it starts with the conversation. How does the enemy, his mastery of opening the broad way that leads to destruction, the broad way that leads to destruction, conversation. Check your conversations. So if there's an opening for fear, and I bring that to the meeting place, I bring that to the mercy seat, to the grave of Christ. And I have a conversation with the Lord. There's not a veil anymore. There's ready access to heaven. I say, Father, what do I do with this fear? Fear thou not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed. Do not anxiously look about. I am the Lord who strengthens you. Yes, I will help you. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the God of peace, the Lord will give you... The God of peace <laughs> that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. What, did, what just happened? What just happened is that you brought it before the Lord and you started what the enemy started a conversation, but you brought that conversation to the Lord. And what does God communicate? He communicates covenant through the completed work of Christ. 
I can't, I cannot, this ministry task you have before me. Oh, no, you can't do that ministry task. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You don't have enough intellect. You just might as well quit. There's no reason to even start down that road. They're going to laugh you out of the building. You're going to wet your britches. You're not going to, you're going to mess yourself up. You just, you can't do it. Let me take this to the meeting room. Lord, what do you say? Without me, you can do nothing, but through me, you can do all things. Do we need to go on? Amen. So the bell pure, the master of opening, seduced the covenant men of God who could not be touched by the curse of a profane prophet so that there would be a nation rise up against him. I can't touch them. They are too blessed. You got to start a conversation that gets them away from that canopy of God's blessing and draw them out into the open open so you can seduce them with with some carnality and some some fleshly things. Then you can get them. You can suck them in, chew them up, and spit them out. Don't let the conversation ever start. Because if it starts, it'll metastasize, and it will devour, and it'll eat away all the good. And if you're struggling with it, start a new conversation. Bring them in to the open room of the meeting room, which is the mercy seat of God, which is the sacrifice of Christ, which is the grave of the Lord, and right there is the entrance of heaven. I lay myself down. I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Where does God meet me? He met me at the grave. I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, but yet not I that live, but Christ that lives in me, who loved me and gave himself for me. So now my conversation is about covenant and the completed sacrifice of the Lord. Amen? Now broad is the way that leads to destruction. So it tells me it's easy. Get sucked into those conversations. But uh, read your book. Read the Bible. God doesn't like complaining. <laughs> he really doesn't. From me, you, anybody. Just, let's just don't do it. Amen. Let's, we, we want to see God's spirit poured out in a magnificent way. Let's don't complain. Let's don't, don't stop complaining about your job and start thanking God for your job. Let's don't complain about the preacher. Let's just pray more earnestly for him. Amen? Because he needs it. He needs it bad. Just, just, start, just start lifting each other. Quit, quit griping about your, your workplace and your family and your husband and your spouse and your children. Start blessing them. Start speaking life over them. Start asking God to do something. Start don't let the enemy start the conversation. It may take some reconditioning. That's okay. The Lord's in the reconditioning business. Just keep, you just be willing. When you talk to God, be willing to listen to the Lord. And when the Lord tells you something, then do it. And I found out that I spent a whole lot more time listening than I do talking. 
I may pray for 30 minutes, an hour. I don't know. It just depends. I don't put any time frame on it. But when I pray, I walk out of that prayer closet. Now I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm looking. I'm anticipating. I'm listening to other people because God may speak from somebody else through somebody else. The Lord may, may use a circumstance. It doesn't matter. The Lord knows how to reach me. He knows how to reach you. And God wants you to hear his voice. But you can't hear his voice if you're always talking and then you turn around and you don't give ear to listen to what he has to say. And when he says, do not fear, he tells you, do not fear. And that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That means that there is nothing outside the limits of God's grace. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Stand, if you will, tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Mercy and goodness and grace. God, you th- we just thank you. Folks, hear me tonight. Especially you children of God, hear me tonight. The only thing the enemy has that will work on you is conversation. If he can lure you into the conversation... Long before you speak to anybody else, you've already had the conversation in your mind. Long before you slip off the rails or step off the reservation, you've already had that conversation going over and over and over and over. Over and over and over. Stay away from those conversations. And if you find yourself falling into them, take that conversation back to the Lord. And listen to what he has to say. Amen? As we close tonight, we're going to be lifting up a very special ministry. It's making profound impact in communities all around. Bibles and burgers. Let's do it this way before we take our Tim and Yvonne, you guys come. Everybody that helps with Bibles and burgers. Everybody that's been out there. Dolores, come on. Come on, Brian, come on. Have you been to Bibles and Burgers? All right, you guys just stand face me. We're going to pray blessing over you. Come on, son. Come on. Come on, you guys. Put your hands this way. And let's pray. Father, a fresh anointing, your spirit. Lord, you see where they've stepped out, and they've stepped out in faith. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, a fresh anointing. It's going to renew their spirit, their hearts, their minds. It's going to give creativity. They're going to see enemies, Lord God, fall to the left and to the right, Lord God. A thousand at their side, ten thousand at their right hand. But it's not going to come nigh them. Lord, you are not afraid of the giants that will rest within the promised lands of those that they're, Lord God, fighting for. May, Lord, in the name of Jesus, it's not because of their righteousness and goodness. It's because of the wickedness of the enemy, Lord God, that you're going to destroy. And because of your own righteousness, Lord, you're going to move out. Now, Lord, I just pray, God, for provision, Lord God, Lord, material, physical provision, Lord, to come their way. But, Lord, I also pray. 
Lord, for persons to come along and support their ministry, Lord. But, Father, most of all, we pray for transformation in the lives being ministered to, Lord, through the yoke-crushing anointing that is going to rest upon them. In Jesus' name, we pray your blessing on them and upon their ministry. And everybody said amen. Amen. God bless you. So our offering tonight, it goes into our missions pool, but I want you to, they are a strong emphasis. Keep them in your prayers as they, as they move forward and do the things of the Lord. Amen. God bless you. Love you. Uh, the guys are at the back to receive. Thank you for letting me come over and visit with you tonight. <laughs> oh, uh, continue. We're going to go to the 21st in our fasting. I hope you, uh, uh, those of you that still have time to participate, just pick out a fast. You can choose whatever you want uh, and whenever you want. Uh, you can fast from now to the 21st or you can uh, just choose a day, choose the fast. Also, our uh, annual business meeting is coming up on uh, the last Sunday of February for all the voting members. Uh, the there are going to be three positions being voted on in the board. That's going to be the treasurer, the trustee, and one of our positions. And so those eligible uh, for those positions are out there. Make the nominations. Drop it in the, the box in the back. God bless you. See you Saturday morning at 830. We're shooting for 100 on Saturdays before this year's end. So be a participator. God bless you. We'll see you on Saturday. <laughs>